HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Tabard Inn, New American Cuisine in one of Washington, D.C.'s oldest hotels, located in DuPont Circle. For more information, visit tabardinn.com. You are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. It is Thursday, and once again, you have tuned in to the Heritage Radio Network. You are listening to The Farm Report, and I'm your host, Erin Fairbanks. We're coming to you live from the back of Roberta's in beautiful Bushwick, Brooklyn, on this lovely, sunny December day. And we are on the line with Eric Weltman of uh, New York State's Food and Water Watch. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having Food and Water Watch on the show this afternoon. Well, I'm excited to tuck in to uh, hear some of the work that you guys have been doing uh, with regards to fracking here in New York State. But before we get going, maybe you can tell us, um, for those who might not be aware, a little bit about Food and Water Watch and what it is exactly that you guys do. Absolutely. So again, my name is Eric Weltman, and I'm a senior organizer with Food and Water Watch in our Brooklyn office. Uh, Food and Water Watch is a national, or actually international, uh, nonprofit consumer organization whose mission is to ensure that the food and water that we consume is uh, safe, accessible, and sustainably produced. You can find out more information about us on our website, www.foodandwaterwatch.org. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned, I work out of an office that we have in Brooklyn. Uh, we do have offices, uh, about a dozen or so offices around the country as well as a couple in, in Europe as well as Latin America. And we're all uh, leading the good fight uh, to protect our, our, our food and water from uh, you know, toxic chemicals and pollution and, and, and corporations that are trying to wreak havoc and, and take over our food system. Sounds like a big job. <laughs> it is a big job. We're taking on some of the most uh, powerful corporations in the world, uh, Walmart, Exxon, Monsanto. Uh, so we need all the help we can get. So we do encourage your listeners to consider uh, you know, visiting the website and getting involved with what we're doing here in Brooklyn and beyond. So that is one of the things that you, you're charged with is kind of organizing community leaders um, 
around mm-hmm. the uh, you know proposal to ban fracking in New York State. And one of the things that I find so challenging kind of talking to people about fracking is really just finding an easy way to explain what fracking is. And, and since you guys, mm-hmm. I'm sure, get to do that all the time, maybe you can just give us, like, <laughs> when someone asks, well, what is fracking anyway? You know, what's the, what's the clearest way to kind of paint that picture? This is sort of my rap, uh, so to speak, is that fracking is a highly dangerous, highly risky method of drilling for natural gas that threatens our water, our air, and our food. It's a process that involves injecting, injecting a toxic soup of chemicals as well as sand and water deep underground to break open um, a shale rock that's deep below the ground to release the natural gas that's contained within the shale, and in the process of doing so, and as I mentioned, it, it threatens our, our, our drinking water, there's an immense amount of air pollution, it threatens to contaminate our food and our agriculture and our farms, um, and the bottom line, this is sort of my, my, my punchline, so to speak, is that there are safer alternatives to natural gas, but there are no alternatives to water. So, again, you know, we encourage listeners to, you know, visit our website, foodandwaterwatch.org. We're also involved with a statewide coalition called New Yorkers Against Fracking. We've got a, a separate website for that coalition, uh, uh, nyagainstfracking.org. Uh, and it's pretty easy to get plugged in and get involved. And we do need people to help uh, send a message to Governor Cuomo that we want a ban on fracking here in New York. So, you know, you want to you brought up a couple of interesting things I think in your explanation um and one of them Thank you. Be, <laughs> one of them is, you know, when you're doing advocacy work like this, I think one of the challenges is is presenting a message that's clear enough for people to kind of gain an understanding but also mm. kind of um gives people the opportunity to to learn more about the kind of complexities around the issue and one of the things that you said kind of struck me is, uh, you know, there's no alternative to water, but there is alternatives to natural gas. And and can you talk a little bit about what some of those alternatives might be and why we might choose them over natural gas as a fuel source? Well, I'm no alternative energy expert, and there's certainly plenty of folks who are. Uh, you know, clearly, you know, there are alternative technologies, renewable energy, conservation, wind energy, solar, uh, none of which are, are, are as, as nearly as threatening, obviously, as natural gas. I mean, keep in mind that, you know, the, the energy industry, you know, propagates some myths about natural gas and fracking, you know, none of, none of which are true. Uh, they talk about it being, um, you know, better for the environment, better for climate change. As it happens, you know, natural gas is actually primarily methane. And methane is an extraordinarily potent greenhouse gas. It's, it's tremendously potent in terms of, of uh, capturing you know, heat, much more so than carbon dioxide. In fact, some have concluded, including some scientists at Cornell, that fracking is actually worse for climate change than burning coal. Uh, so that's myth number one. Another myth is that, you know, again, that, it, that it's clean, and in, in some respects it is cleaner burning, uh, natural gas, that is, than, than coal. But the process of extraction, as I mentioned, this fracking process, is tremendously hazardous. There are hundreds and hundreds of chemicals that are used. Um, the threatens are underground drinking water. There's toxic wastewater that can't be safely treated. There's um, radioactive materials. 
that are brought to the surface and these uh, these fracking fluids there's radon in the um, in the gas itself which threatens you know people in New York City and their in their in their kitchens from you know, exposure to radon which is the second leading cause of, cause of lung cancer Whew, boy I mean I could just you know go on and on about that about the hazards of fracking but um, you know the point is that you know, we do need people to be engaged. We need people, you know, visit the Food and Water Watch website, uh, foodandwaterwatch.org. Uh, you know, visit the New Yorkers Against Fracking website, nyagainstfracking.org. We're building a, a massive coalition. You know, I mentioned, you know, earlier that, you know, Food and Water Watch, our, our raison d'etre, I guess you could say, is, is taking on uh, a lot of, you know, giant corporations. Here in New York, we're taking on these corporations, and we're going to win. So We are going to win. So, you know, it's kind of interesting that, that, you know, you know, you're really parsing natural gas as something that almost sounds kind of not, not natural. I mean, I don't know where the, where the kind of name came from, but whoever picked it, natural, natural <laughs> gas is kind of interesting. Um, one yep. of the, so, you know, gas At hasn't the same always. time, though, they, 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 I guess they get points for that, uh, you know, natural gas, but at the same time, fracking. Whoever uh, came up with the phrase fracking is, uh, loses a lot of points because it, it sounds as obscene as it is. Well, and that is a new technology <laughs> for extracting natural gas. I mean, what, what, what was the primary method of natural gas extraction prior to the development of fracking technology, and why did we shift well, towards it was, fracking? It was, it was, you, you know, what's interesting is, is, is I, we sort of view fracking in the context of a whole range of extreme forms of energy extraction. Uh, you know, oftentimes people refer to, uh, you know, fracking along with, uh, mountaintop, mountaintop coal removal, uh, offshore oil drilling. I mean, we're just going to more and more extreme ends to try to extract every last drop of, you know, coal, oil, and gas from the earth. Uh, when we really should be investing those resources into renewable energy. Uh, you know, the, the industry is talking about, you know, billions and billions and billions of dollars in new infrastructure, whether it's, you know, pipelines, it's, it's, it's the fracking, it's the you know, LNG facilities, it's, a, it's an immense amount of, of investment in infrastructure. We really should be investing in renewable energy now. I mean, we basically have a choice. We either... I mean, at some point, these fossil fuels are going to run out. The only question is, do we do it before we've re- completely wrecked the climate and poisoned our water? Do we do it before then, or do we do, do it after that? Um, and our preference is obviously to avoid poisoning our water, to avoid further climate destruction, and make that transition now. So we had, um, you know, another one of your colleagues on the program a little bit earlier this year to talk a little bit about some success that Food and Water Watch had working with a community mm. in Colorado that successfully banned fracking, and, and that was that was great to hear. I'm curious. That was a tremendous undertaking, very inspiring undertaking. Yeah. So, I mean, are there techniques that, that were used in that community or with that campaign that you've kind of adopted here in New York? And do you think we're anywhere close to a similar ban in any, you know, county or city in New York State? Absolutely. Well, and let me just mention that, the, you know, our victory in Colorado, I mean, we were going up against every, you know, mayor, former mayor, all the power brokers. I mean, this was, a, uh, I needless to say, we were immensely outspent by the industry. Uh, this was a real victory for grassroots organizing. Uh, 
Uh, it was an immense victory, a very inspiring victory, and one that you know has, has reverberated around the country. Uh, you know, Food and Water Watch. You know, as I mentioned, we're, we're part of a, a massive coalition here in New York called New Yorkers Against Fracking, which is but a part of an immense movement across New York that's working to ban fracking. Um, it includes, for example, uh, we have recruited Food and Water Watch and New Yorkers Against Fracking. We've recruited over a thousand businesses against fracking. We've recruited uh, recruited about 300 faith leaders against fracking. We're organizing students against fracking. Um, we're working with health professionals. Uh, this is an immense and very inspiring movement. It's been called one of the largest, if not the largest, movements in New York history, and we need your listeners to be a part of it. Um, so, again, I encourage people to you know, visit the website, foodandwaterwatch.org, check out you know, nyagainstfracking.org. We've racked up some tremendous successes in you know, postponing uh, fracking up to this point, uh, you know, Governor Cuomo, you know, when he entered office seemed, you know, extraordinarily intent to, you know, start drilling or, you know, drill baby drill. And just a couple weeks ago, I mean, we pushed him to the point, we've pushed Cuomo to the point where on TV he acknowledged that New Yorkers don't want to be poisoned by fracking. He acknowledged that the number of jobs created by fracking, you know, might be overestimated. I mean, he's echoing our talking points. I mean, that's, as good as it gets. Um, so we've had, you know, immense number of successes, delivering hundreds and hundreds of thousands of petitions, generating tens of thousands of calls, recruiting faith leaders, businesses. You know, our coalition I mentioned, New Yorkers Against Fracking, is over 180 organizations at this point, and we're just continuing to grow. And this movement, every day, every hour, every minute, we are growing as a movement. And ultimately, I, I do believe that we will prevail, but we do need people to get involved. We're in the midst of a, a very important comment period. We have uh, 30 days between actually yesterday, December 12th, and January 11th, a 30-day window of opportunity in which we can uh, submit comments to the Cuomo administration on its proposed fracking regulations. Uh, we are trying to generate tens of thousands of comments um, you can, you know, go on to our website, foodandwaterwatch.org or nyagainstfracking.org and submit a comment. Or if you, you, you want more information, you know, folks in Brooklyn or beyond can give me a call. I'm, I'm at 718-943-9085. Again, that's 718-943-9085. And we're looking for people to get involved. Great. So, Erica, I definitely understand how to, to kind of contact you and, and I'm familiar with the website. What I'm trying to get at, you know, on the show today is, you know, I, I understand like wanting people to sign on and you, that, you know, you guys have taken a position that fracking is harmful for the environment. But I'm hoping mm -hmm. you can kind of help illuminate, you know, something a little bit more specific with regards to, you know, how the process actually works and what have been kind of the shown impacts in different parts of the country. Um, because, it, you know, if, mm. if I'm going to get out and kind of, you know, sign my name to a petition, um, I want to have a little bit more robust understanding. So if I'm sitting around the dinner table with my kind mm -hmm. of wheeling, dealing natural gas, you know, friends, and they're like, fracking is going to improve the economy and fracking is going to, you know, decrease the you know price of heating our homes and, 
Uh, mm. It's going to mm-hmm. revitalize these urban communities. And, you know, I know that there's a people who have really substantive arguments against, uh, you know, that are pro-fracking and why we'd be pursuing mm-hmm. it. So I just want to be able to arm my listeners with some kind of more specific feedback than, hey, it's bad and we should be scared. So sure, maybe sure. let's, um, well, I we think, actually have I to think... just move to just a short break. So I just want to oh, kind okay. of get, give you a moment and we're going to hear a brief word from one of our sponsors. And when we come back, I'm excited to kind of tuck into some kind of specific uh, feedback that we can be giving our listeners to arm them in this conversation. So hang tight. We'll be Sounds right good. back. Fancy restaurant records. You're listening to Tom Cruise on the Heritage Radio Network.org. This one's called Back to School. The following program has been brought to you by Tabard Inn. Tabard Inn, Washington, D.C.'s quintessential small hotel, is located on a quiet, tree-lined street just five blocks from the White House. Vibrant yet unassuming, the Tabard is comprised of 40 sleeping rooms, each unique in character and design. Feast on eclectic American cuisine in their acclaimed restaurant, or enjoy a cocktail and listen to live jazz in one of their cozy Victorian seating areas. Mingle with travelers from around the world who find the Tabard the only place to stay when taking their travels to Washington. For more information, visit tabardin.com. All right, we are back. You have tuned into the Heritage Radio Network. You're listening to the Farm Report. I'm your host, Aaron Fairbanks, and we are on the line with Eric Weltman, who's here in Brooklyn uh, with mm-hmm. Food and Water Watch. And Eric, what I'm hoping we can do is maybe just kind of have like a pretend, uh, you know, dinner conversation where I can play the, you know, pro fracking and you can pr- play the anti fracking, and and we can maybe, wow. you know, let's let people walk away from the program with some. Some, some ways to kind of have a little bit more of a substantive conversation with folks around this issue. So, um, sure. Let, let, let's Sounds like fun. Where, where are we eating? <laughs> well, I guess because we're at Roberta's uh, here in the studio, <laughs> I, I'm sitting in front of a bunch of delicious looking pizza and I, I miss lunch. So I'm actually. <laughs> oh, likewise, <laughs> I've been munching on a pear <laughs> at my desk. Well, I'll give you half the pizza in our imaginary dinner if you give me half the pear. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds good. All right. So, um so so I'll start, you know. You know, Eric, I really think that uh, you know, fracking is going to revitalize our rural economies. I mean, farmers are struggling and and getting rid of their mineral rights is going to give them a big cash mm-hmm. influx to help, you know, protect their farm for future generations. Well, first of all, you know, Aaron, you raise a good point. I mean, we at Food and Water Watch very much acknowledge that a lot of farmers are in dire straits. Um, and, you know, that's something that Food and Water Watch is very concerned about. It's really, you know, the basis for a lot of our work around food and agriculture is trying to ensure that, you know, farmers are 
able to make a living and and have a decent livelihood. Um, and so we very much support you know family farmers, small farmers, local farmers, medium-sized farmers. I mean that said, you know we don't believe that anyone should be able to support themselves at the risk of contaminating the environment, you know, risking public health, risking the future. Uh, and fracking is just not the way to revitalize our rural economies. You know, a couple of things that are worth noting is, first of all, you know, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the number of jobs created by fracking has been enormously exaggerated by the industry. And we, you know, Food and Water Watch has documented that along with others in a number of, you know, reports. Um, I mean, for one thing, a lot of these jobs are taken up by out-of-staters. Uh, it's not local people who are, you know, being trained to, you know, do this drilling. It's people who've already done it in other states that are being brought in for these jobs. Second thing is, you know, this is, this is classic boom and bust. Uh, you know, these jobs, you know, this, this money may be here today, but it's going to be gone tomorrow. Um, and, you know, the other thing that's worth noting, I think, is, you know, first of all, if you haven't, and, you know, this is a family gathering, so maybe we could all watch a movie together after, after supper. If you haven't seen uh, Gasland, I would strongly recommend it because, you know, they say an image is worth a thousand words. You know, a video may be worth than uh, 100,000 words. Uh, you know, some of the images of fracking in, the, in this movie and others are absolutely heartbreaking. Um, so I would strongly recommend there's, uh, you know, Gasland, which is you know, available on DVD. There's another film that Josh Fox, who's also here in Brooklyn, made uh, called The Sky is Pink. That's actually available on the web. You can just, you know, download and watch that. And there's actually a new documentary that just came out called Dear Governor Cuomo um, that was produced by a friend of ours, John Bowermaster. And that's an hour-long documentary that features his partner, the musician Ali Merchant, as well as a number of scientists and, and, and actors and experts. So, so that's one point. It's just, you know, look at these films, see the images, because, you know, my words won't, can't adequately convey the horror of fracking as, as, as well as any images could do. Well, Eric, one of the things I I wonder about, you know, if fracking is so bad, I mean, they're doing it in Texas, they're doing it in Pennsylvania. I mean, if it was as dangerous as you say it is, wouldn't the federal government step in to protect us? Well, do you remember a guy named Dick Cheney? Uh, he was the vice president under Bush and the former head of Halliburton. Halliburton is actually the company that perfected uh, the technique of fracking. Well, when... Cheney was vice president under Bush. He shepherded through this, this energy legislation that basically exempted uh, fracking from just about every environmental law and regulation under the sun. Um, so that's sort of a little bit of the you know the, the, the you know the background here about why fracking is largely unregulated by the federal government. Um, at this point, you know, as you alluded to, fracking is being done in a, in a number of states, which is why Food and Water Watch and our allies, allies across the country are largely involved in a state-by-state battle against fracking. We did just launch, actually, a week or so ago, a new national coalition called Americans Against Fracking. And Americans Against Fracking is supporting a national ban on fracking. However, our main focus is in, as I said, is in a handful of states, including, you know, New York, obviously, you know, first and foremost, but some other states as well, to push for local bans, statewide bans on fracking. Um, we're not necessarily looking to the federal government for leadership at this point. 
Okay, so 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 I should be looking to my state. Well, I you know I have an uncle who lives in in upstate New York who, you know, in the eighties had they had they put a drill on on his property and they've been drilling nat- natural gas and he's never had any problems. Well, that's not that's not the new kind of fracking that we're talking about. That that the new kind of fracking that the that that the industry is pushing is not you know as we we call it not your grandfather's fracking. The the fracking that we're talking about is is a, is a new technique. It's much riskier. Uh, the other point I would make is that you know in addition to you know checking out the, the you know the images that are available is looking at who's opposed to fracking. Uh, you know, as I mentioned you know earlier. We are building an immensely broad movement that includes, for example, the, the, the Organic Farming Association here in New York is anti-fracking. We've got, you know, if you're, if you're into, you know, the stars, we've got a, a broad range of, of stars involved. In fact, we're, we're, there's a new, uh, initiative called Artists Against Fracking that features, you know, Yoko Ono and, and dozens upon dozens of stars. We've got, uh, a lot, you know, a lot of the healthcare community, the public health community, is against fracking. Scientists, uh, uh, businesses, uh, and you want to talk about, you know, biz, you know, the impact on jobs. Uh, fracking threatens our real estate industry here in New York, our agriculture industry here in New York, and our, our tourism industry in New York. Those are amongst, those are actually our three top industries: is agriculture, tourism, and real estate. Um, fracking threatens all three of those. Which is why we have, in addition to farmers, we have breweries. You know, many of the breweries here in New York are anti-fracking. The vintners, folks who make wine, are anti-fracking. Real estate agents are anti-fracking. B&B owners are anti-fracking. They're very concerned, you know, perhaps, uh, I presume, about public health and the environment, but they're also concerned about their industries. They're concerned about their jobs, and fracking threatens all of that. Well, that makes sense to me, and I mean, I guess you know, vintners and 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 breweries and and cities kind of need need water, but but I mean, we have the the sewage treatment plants and water cleaning plants, so I mean, can't we just clean They're the water? Equipped. Those are not equipped to handle fracking fluid, and they're certainly not equipped to handle radioactivity. There's no way to safely treat radioactive materials that are brought back to the surface, but in fracking fluids. Cool. Uh, it was like really hard for me to <laughs> be on the oh, other side of that? that. I said it's kind of challenging for me to, uh, you know, be on the other side of that. But I think I often find myself in conversations where, you know, those are kind of the types of questions that come up. And, and it's useful to have, you know, kind of some specific examples and a little bit of, um, you know, background information. And I wanted to ask you a question about something I saw on the news um, hmm. Uh, a few weeks ago, it was on the Rachel Maddow show. She um, was taking a look at um, a a series of earthquakes that had happened down in mm. Texas that were kind of close, seemed to be closely cor- correlated with sites where they did extensive, uh, you know, fracking for natural gas. And I wondered if that um, type of thing had been seen in other parts around the country, or if maybe you could, um, you know, illuminate what was happening there, mm. and, and if you've heard anything about that. Yeah, I mean, here's the scoop. So some of these earthquakes, for example, in Ohio, have been linked with the injection of the fracking fluid underground as a disposal method. So it's a, so there's earthquakes that have been linked with, you know, again, the disposal of the fracking fluid deep underground. 
we've heard about you know earthquakes associated with fracking from everywhere from Wales to Texas. Um, you think about it this way. I mean, fracking is basically like exploding a chemical bomb deep underground. So I suppose it's not surprising they would be linked with earthquakes. In fact, perhaps it would be surprising if it weren't. Um, it is It is like exploding a bomb underground. Wow. So, but that, that is, I mean, that's, can you, that that's not, uh, I mean, have they, has it been proven that those are those are related, or is that just still? I mean, kind of, you know. I, to me, if I you're like looking still, at common sense, I think, sense, I, it makes that, sense, I think but. that's still, to my knowledge, that's still in the speculative phase. That it's more of a linkage, uh, possible linkage, rather than direct proof. And not to put but, you too much on the spot, but I am curious: where in the country right now is fracking allowed? Well, I mean, it's, it's allowed in a few dozen states. I certainly couldn't reel them off off the top of my head. But, but it is in that range close. of states. I'm sorry. Like, I mean, yeah. it, like just as just kind of a rough number, is it like half the states or a third or? I think it's at least half. Okay. Um, I mean, keep in mind, fracking is, is a method for extracting um, natural gas from shale. So the shale, and if you go to the Food and Water Watch website, there is a, a map there in a report called The Case for a Ban on, on, on Gas Fracking, and it shows where there's shale in the United States. It's, it's certainly not in all the states. So there's some states where this is sort of a, a, a non-issue, I guess you could say. Um, but it's certainly very much an issue here in New York, which is, you know, again, why I encourage at least those who are, of your listeners who are New Yorkers to you know visit the Food and Water Watch website to visit uh, the New Yorkers Against Fracking website. Uh, we are in a, a crunch crunch time. We always seem to be in crunch time, but this really is a crunch time. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we have a 30-day period in which we're trying to generate uh, tens of thousands of comments to Governor Cuomo um, between basically yesterday and January 11th. We've got other events and activities coming up for folks who are in New York on, on January seventh. Uh, Governor Cuomo is having a, a, a fundraiser at the Waldorf Astoria in Manhattan, and we're going to be there in full force. And on January ninth, up in Albany, he's doing his State of the State address, and likewise, we're going to be there in, in full force, uh, demanding that he support a ban on fracking. Nice. Well, Eric, thank you so much for joining us today to give us a little update on on uh, the Food and Water Watch's response and, and some of the stuff that you have going on. Definitely Great. encourage folks to get engaged on this issue, educate themselves, check out some of the films uh, that Eric mentioned, and visit the website for more info on specific events and links to reach out uh, to the people in New York State who are making decisions around fracking Um And tune in next week uh, for another episode of The Farm Report. We'll be back at 1 o'clock next Thursday. Um, As Mm -hmm. always, all of our 27 live programs on the Heritage Radio Network are available on our website, www.heritageradionetwork.org. And stay tuned. Coming up, we have the Grow NYC Farmer's Market Report. So check in to uh, hear everything that's happening uh, at the markets here in New York City. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. 
You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. What's hot at the green market? You're about to find out now. It's the Grow NYC Market Update. All right, all right, all right. Once again, you've tuned into the Grow NYC Green Market Update. We are on the line with Gene Hodesh, Publicity Coordinator for the green, New York City's Green Markets. Gene, we are excited to hear what's the scoop, what's happening up at the markets. So it's holiday season everywhere in New York City, certainly including in our markets. And I wanted to highlight this week all of the different items, specialty items you might find in the market that are perfect for holiday feasts. So, for instance, last night I was at a Hanukkah party and we had potato latkes alongside sweet potato latkes. And then I brought applesauce, which is always one of my favorite holiday festivities all year long. And then uh, coming up, Soon on Christmas Eve, it's the Feast of Seven Fishes. So I was talking to Stephanie Villani of Blue Moon Fish the other day. And last year, the New York Times ran a really nice article about her husband, Alex's fishmonger stew in the New York Times. Um, So the Feast of the Seven Fishes sort of incorporates all of these different fish that you can eat kind of the night before Christmas. So you might fit them all in in your fishmonger stew or in any you know, number of other ways. But uh, Blue Moon has white fish, and they've got cod, flounder, blackfish, scallops. Um, they even have pickled herring. They have smoked eel and um, just a, a wonderful selection. And I would suggest stopping by to visit them um, this weekend or next week because after that the Villanis head down to Florida for their winter vacation to the Florida Keys. So definitely stop in and get some fish from them before they head out. And then also for uh, your Christmas dinner, um, Garden of Spices is selling Christmas geese this year. So I think you can put in pre-orders for those at Union Square on Wednesdays or in the Abington Square Market on Saturdays. 
And then for New Year's Eve, I at least with my friends that I celebrate with, I always think it's traditional to have oysters and some sort of sparkling um, champagne or hard cider, and you can get both of those things at the market uh, to celebrate for New Year's Eve. And then on New Year's Day, hop and john is a really traditional dish. Um, so that's sort of black-eyed peas cooked with some pork, pork fat in there, and then alongside like collard greens, or sometimes I use kale, and you know the black-eyed peas are supposed to symbolize coins, and the leafy greens are supposed to symbolize dollar bills, so eat lots of it to make sure that your new year will be nice and rich, but local also. Man, that sounds like an awesome lineup of choices. Regardless of the holiday you celebrate, or maybe you don't celebrate at all, I would still tuck into some delicious goose. I'm a big fan of Ben and his family's work up at Garden of Spice. Um, what about kind of specialty seasonal uh, uh, products that, that um, well, I guess you just named a bunch of good ones, but <laughs> I know there's more, so tell us. There's more, yeah. So we've been also highlighting baked goods that our, that our bakeries are bringing in. So we've got gingerbread houses and stolen, which is sort of this German Christmas bread that I, I grew up eating it with my family, but we have about three different bakeries that are bringing it in. Um, it's really delicious. I just tried some from Hot Bread Kitchen yesterday, and Hawthorne Valley Farm is also bringing it in. And then uh, to go alongside your cookies and cakes, we have eggnog from Ronnie Brook Farm. Um, so all of these different, you know, delicious wonderful treats that you get to have this time of year. And then I also wanted to say things just to make sure you don't miss. Like I said, the Volanis are about to go on their winter vacation, but a lot of our other farmers head off for a couple months in the winter and, uh, we have, you know, at the height of our season, 54 markets open around the city, but right about now, the seasonal markets start to shut down for the next couple of months and go into hibernation. But we have 22 markets that stay open year-round, so I encourage people to check out our website and, and find the, the nearest year-round market to where they're living, um, because there will be kale, there will be sweet potatoes, there will be plenty to eat year-round uh, that's been grown locally. Awesome. And I would say probably one of my, I was over at the Fort Green Market for the first time this past weekend and stopping by the Hot Bread Kitchen was so amazed to see all the like different uh, types of bread that they've had. It seems like every time I stop by the stand, they have some new kind of bread of the world. And I'm excited to kind of keep keep checking in with them throughout the, the winter. And I know that bread has been a big topic for, for you guys over at Green Market. You're doing a lot of work with regional grain production. And it sounds like there's one of your farmers in particular that's doing some kind of cool new breads. And maybe you could share a little bit about their work. Sure. So um, we had um, changed our baking rules for Green Market about five years ago, requiring anyone who's selling baked goods at the market to use at least 15% flour that was grown and milled within our region, which meant that more... Farms started growing grains, which meant that there was more product available for bakers to bake with. And so now we're really starting to see the fruit of that change kind of come down to market in different ways. So Hawthorne Valley Farm is unique in that they had both fields to grow grain in, but they also had a mill on their farm, which meant that they didn't have to go off-site to have, to have the, the uh, wheat sort of processed into flour to bake with. So just this week, um, they brought down two different types of new breads, and they're made with... Um, flour that was 100%, it's 100% flour that was grown on their farm. So I just picked up one of these loaves, and it's really heavy and really dense and really good. <laughs> so they have the, the black forest rye, which is a sour bread, a sourdough rye bread made with 100% Hawthorne 
valley-grown uh, rye, caraway seeds, and currants. And then they have um, something that they're calling farmer's bread, which is uh, made with 80% wheat and 20% rye, both all grown on their farm. So that's the one I had for lunch today, and it's sort of sweet and delicious and um you can really, you can taste the full profile of the grains and it. it's pretty amazing. Nice. And what markets does Hawthorne visit? So they're at Inwood on Saturdays. They're at Union Square on Wednesdays and Saturdays. And they're at Columbia on Thursdays and Sundays. Nice. Definitely be sure to check out some of those new breads. Well, what about uh, events? I mean, you guys, I know some markets are shutting down, but I'm sure you'll have stuff going on throughout, throughout this season. Any kind of upcoming events we should make sure to clear our calendar for? Yeah, I wanted to talk about some events that are going to be happening at Union Square over the next couple of days. So tomorrow, the 14th, we have um, mixologist Zach Fisher will be doing, he's going to be doing mocktails. It's not like he's going to be doing the full preparation in our market, but he's going to be showing customers how to mix, shake, and muddle farmer's market fruits and vegetables to make special cocktails for the holidays. And then on Saturday, we have um, some book signings with a couple authors, the authors of the Flavor Bible and also Dirt Candy, which um, I don't know if you've been there or not, but it's a really terrific vegetarian restaurant in the East Village. And so they both have new cookbooks out. It's a perfect opportunity if you're looking to get a cookbook for somebody for the holidays. Um, you can stop by and get it at the market. The authors will be there, and you can have them sign a copy for you. And then next Friday, uh, we're featuring products from Flying Pigs Farm. And we're going to do a market cooking demonstration making um, a Portuguese stew called caldo verde. So it has Portuguese sausage, kale, and potatoes in it, a really nice winter stew. So definitely keep checking in always at the market information tents at all of our markets. We have cooking demos and recipes and information on all sorts of activities happening at the market through the winter. Awesome. And if you want to, uh, you know, check in before you head out into the cold winter air, definitely visit the website, www.grownyc.org. You can follow them on Twitter or check in every Thursday with us here on the Grow NYC Market Update. Jean, thanks so much for joining us. And we look forward to checking out some of the stuff you highlighted. Uh, Stay tuned next week for another episode. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.